This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 227. Patricia Eslava Vesi on hypnokinesthetics. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. This week's hypnotic podcast has the power to move you. Hey, it's Jason Lynette welcoming you back once again to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast. And this week on the program, Patricia Eslava Vesi talking about hypnokinesthetics, where we're going to go through an amazing conversation of a rather eye-opening first experience with hypnosis, the experience working in rather difficult, challenging situations, a career working in coaching, and then bringing hypnosis into the skill set a little bit later and kind of tapping into that missing link in terms of what's necessary to help people to motivate the real changes they're looking to make in their lives. A fascinating conversation working with clients who aren't just a few pounds overweight, but we're talking several hundred pounds overweight. And then the discovery of what happens when you take a counselor, fitness instructor, and a coach, and a hypnotist, and mesh it all together into a rather unique approach to the work called hypnokinesthetics, which is one part kinesthetic submodality elicitation, and then setting a change really in motion. And yes, indeed, pun intended, really setting the change in motion. So be sure to head over to the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com to learn more about Patricia, to check out her websites, and link directly over to Amazon to learn more about her book and grab a copy of yourself and learn more about hypnokinesthetics. While you're online too, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. This is the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library, and it's not just a record of what I did to get started in the early days. Instead, it's a bit of a record of also what's working right now. We just recently added a brand new module called the Velvet Rope Strategy, and it's a specific step-by-step -step principle that I've used to do something a little counterintuitive in the shape of my hypnosis business. I was actually working to reduce the number of calls coming in and reduce the number of inquiries of people looking for a consult. The side effect is I'm now getting a much higher quality of person and practically booking every single one of them. So it's a brand new module inside of Hypnotic Business Systems. You can learn more over at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Everything from the technology you need to pull off the exact strategy, the no-cost and low-cost methods to put this into motion right away, even some of the transcriptions that make the job a whole lot easier. That's a brand new module, the Velvet Rope Strategy inside of hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this content session, take some notes, put this process in motion. See what I did there? Here we go. This is session number 227, Patricia Eslava Vesi on hypnokinesthetics. Well, I was in um, college in the 70s and I was in a transpersonal psychology class because I was a therapy psychology major. And it was an unusual class. We did a lot of cutting edge kinds of things. And our teacher took us to a hypnotist. And it was very interesting because I volunteered and I really was skeptical about it, didn't believe it. And, and yet I was hypnotized and I had just a, a bizarre experience that I was behind this kind of a miragey, kind of a, 
a dark place, but very comfortable and safe feeling. And mm-hmm. anyway, and so that was my first experience. Later on, after I got certified and, and trained in hypnosis, I realized that that was a pre-birth experience. And oh, cool. so, yeah, it was very, very awesome for me. I have to go back to the transpersonal psychology. Could you define that for us in terms of what that oh. what that consisted of? Oh my gosh, I can't. I can't even remember it. Recap what the I, entire class right now in front of us. So we're talking about the seventies, right? Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> well, let me phrase it this way: What would you say was different about it than what could be considered, let's call it traditional let's, psychology? Let's say the whole thing was different because, yeah, um, back in the seventies, I mean, there was traditional college, right, where you went and sat in and looked at the professor and with hundreds of people and, you know, hoped to learn whatever it was they were teaching, went home, did your homework, et cetera, et cetera. The program that I was in was an off-campus experiential human services program through Bellingham. And so it was very different. The whole thing was different. I mean, I'd been to traditional college and sat in those chairs and fallen asleep in those lectures. <laughs> <laughs> and and this program, I mean, we were in it. We were, it was, well, it was experiential. We practiced, we talked, we did cutting edge kinds of things, non-traditional um, experiences. We met in churches, we met in community centers um, and all over the place. Um, yeah. And we talked about things that, and we experienced things that, that you didn't in traditional school. Yeah. So just a little bit more of a, let's call it an interactive, more sort of organic way of going into it at times, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And was that for that hypnosis? Was that, w- would you say that was a, was that a show or was that just going to see like a clinician or how would you describe no, that? You know, I, I wish I could remember more about that. I think we were just exploring different ways to work with people. And hypnosis was just one of those. And maybe the the teacher knew this person, but we as a class went to his his studio Mm -hmm. and I volunteered. Nice. And, and there it was. Yeah, it was. So what was that thought process then to go from here's this thing I can't yet explain to I got to learn this? Oh, okay. So, so I had that experience and tucked it away and thought nothing of it, just that it was kind of different. Mm-hmm. And then, well, then I worked. Yeah. Um, after college, I worked for the Department of Social and Health Services for 30 years and used the knowledge that I gained in college to work with abused kids and people in general and courts and all that kind of stuff. And did that for 30 years and always knowing that I wanted to work with people. That was my goal. And in fact, actually, going back to the college days in this experiential program, we we looked at systems. That was a big part of the course, the program, too. And I I remember swearing at that time I'd never work for DSHS because it was such a dysfunctional system. (laughs) (laughs) And then life happened. I was married at the time and had a small child and ended up getting a divorce. And so they offered me a job. DSHS offered me a job and I took it. And so I feel like I kind of, I did sell out. Um, But um, it provided me with, with security 
and an incredible learning environment. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about human beings and what people do to other people and horrible situations and how to help. But it never really in terms of of my purpose in life, it never really scratched the itch that I have about, you know, my purpose. And so I worked at DSHS. I did lots of different things. I was a caseworker, social worker, worked with courts. I was a foster home recruiter. I worked in the Native oh, wow. American Native American um, community for eight years. I did interstate compacts, adoptions, terminations, you name it, in 30 years. And then the last 16 years, I was in supervision and management. So I supervised those programs and those people, you know, my staff who did all those things, and which, again, was an incredible learning experience, not only about myself and who I was as a leader and manager, but, you know, how to how to truly support other people. Yeah, and I have to imagine that that must have built some bit of resilience and some bit of, uh, I'd say, strength, where nowadays with a client, I'm sure it's a very much more relaxed environment. Yeah. Well, you know, what it did for me, Jason, um, and, uh, you know, I just, I'm thankful for it. You know, I had a lot of resentment about working in that dysfunctional system, but I'm now I'm thankful for it because what it taught me is how to compartmentalize what I did because I would, I would, witness these just horrendous, you know, horrible things that would happen to kids. And then I also had to have a parallel career in the fitness field. And so for many years, my fitness club was across the parking lot from my, from DSHS. So I would walk across the the parking lot with scowl on my face (laughs) and stress, (laughs) you know, weighing me down. People used to tell me, my students used to tell me, oh my gosh, you always look like you were mad when you came in here. (laughs) And I was. (laughs) And then I'd teach a fitness class. And I remember on the way home, it was like I was in nirvana. I was in heaven. You know, the stress was gone. And so I learned how to take what people say to me and not judge it and to to synthesize it and understand it and and use it in a way that helps them and then let go of it and move on to something next something yeah, else which, i mean that's an amazing lesson in terms of oh. things that we're able to help our clients achieve that's even a mm-hmm. an incredible lesson because i i keep hearing this dialogue at times that Someone goes, well, I only can handle but so many clients in a week because they come in with their problems and it just wears you down. Mm-hmm. And to have that ability to, yes, be in the room, be sincere, show that empathy, that sympathy where necessary, but then not necessarily have to take that home. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, it, I do, do want to say there are some situations yeah. where that I do, you know, I, they do affect me, but not. Oh, yeah they don't debilitate me. Like when I worked at DSHS, people would, it was like watching soldiers fall down and die on the Mm. battlefield. You know, people, many people, you know, in that system had a real hard time dealing with the, you know, the stress of the work and the pressure. And I I just feel so fortunate that I learned that. And I think my fitness training classes really helped because I had to let go. I had to put on a happy face. You, mm-hmm. you know this, Jason, as a former performer, the show must go on. So yeah. <laughs> I'd walk across that parking lot and and I'd try my hardest to put a smile on and halfway through the class, it was there. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I don't like fake it till you make it. I like full, yeah. neuro- full mm-hmm. neurology. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then I, so I worked for DSHS for 30 years, had a parallel career in the fitness field uh, and personal training and all that kind of stuff. And then um, there was, it was, uh, I discovered one day that it was five years before I could retire. I had started working at such a, a good time that I could retire after 25 years and still receive a pension. And so mm-hmm. I thought to myself, okay, now I can really help people the way I want to, you know, the way, you know, in, in a very effective way. So I looked around at what was available and Yes, I could have gone back and and to college and gotten a traditional degree and finished that. But I thought I looked around and I thought I don't know. I don't want to be in this system. It's dysfunctional, and so coaching was um, popular at that time. And that was in two thousand or yeah, two thousand and four. So I hired a coach. I went to coaching school. I got certified as a coach, credentialed as a coach through the International Coach Federation, and became a mentor coach. And I coached while I was still working at DSHS. So I used these new skills and mentored other supervisors and staff. And I started teaching workshops and just to see, you know, do I want to do this? How does this feel to me? Is this Mm. something that I want to add to my my coach and I called it my afterlife. <laughs> and, and so I was exploring and trying to decide what do I want to do. And, and um, so I became a coach and I, I was doing that for a while and I loved it. And my business started growing out of my house. And um, I was started renting space and met some people in the, in the field and joined Toastmasters and met a, a person who was a hypnotist. And we used to ride together and she'd ask me questions about my clients and and she'd tell me about her hypnosis clients. And anyway, she would encourage me to, to check it out. And so I did. I did a weekend workshop with, uh, I think it was Matt James. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to add this to, yeah, to, <laughs> yeah I'm going to add this to what I do. And so that led to exploring and looking and searching for really good training. And that was you know, at that time. You know, I didn't know who was good and who wasn't, and and um, I was still working with my. Well, coach. Let, me, let me ask you. Let me pause you there for a second. I'm sure. curious to ask this: that that experience where there you are, you're working as a counselor. Then came the coaching, and mm-hmm. then here came that you, you'd already had the experience with hypnosis, but here came the training of it. Mm-hmm. What would you say from your perspective? What was different that the hypnosis added to the coaching that perhaps wasn't there yet? Well, what was it? Okay, so so what I found that I did already, and mm-hmm. I don't know where this came from because I've taught workshops since you know since two thousand, and I create these workshops. This is before I was a coach and before I was a, a hypnotist, and I create these workshops, and I'd have everybody in all my workshops close their eyes and imagine and picture and imagine, <laughs> and it's like, oh my gosh, you know. Looking at that now, it's like I was hypnotizing people forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always done that. And then I, I thought even more, as a fitness instructor, I'm hypnotizing. I've been hypnotizing people since 1980. Yeah. You know, I tell them what to do. I give them suggestions. You know, at, at the end, when they're on the floor with their eyes closed, I take them on journeys. You know, so so the whole process to 
actually it's not something new. It was putting it more like a puzzle piece. That's here's, one of the favorite nuances of, of teaching, of training that, or even working with clients, that aspect where they go, oh, I've already been doing this, but now I can yes. do it on purpose. Yeah, right. And, and it wasn't, uh, you know, but a few years ago that I realized, oh my gosh, my entire career has been focused on mind and body, the physical yeah. aspect and the mental and, and, I was just elated to realize that and surprised. So it was more about putting together something that I was already doing, reformatting it in a yeah. way that it would 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 gracefully and naturally fold into the coaching that I already do with people. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I went on and with my my coach, my goal was to uh, I wanted to do training. I wanted to get back to my original goal when I was going to college was to get my PhD and transform the educational system. That was yeah. my number one goal. And so I thought, oh, I okay, I want to perfect my training ability. That's where I want to focus in my afterlife. And so she, my coach, gave me this ticket to go see The Millionaire Mind mm -hmm. with T. T. Harv Eckert. And I thought, you know, I, I have no interest in being a millionaire. That's not my focus. I want to learn how to train people. And she said, well, just go to it and check it out. So I went to that training and oh my gosh, I, they held my attention the whole time. I got up consciously and, and went to the back of the room and signed up for their train the trainer training nice, because yeah. of the way they kept me engaged mentally mm. and emotionally. And so that led to learning more about NLP and that led to actually the search for, it wasn't so much hypnosis that I was after, it was NLP. I wanted to learn those skills, you know, how to captivate an audience and, and so that they could learn what you want to teach them so that they weren't falling asleep in, in class like I was in college. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that led to, you know, getting trained and certified in a master practitioner in NLP and in hypnosis, I, I trained with Bennett Steller. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the program was was really interesting because I did the ex, the experiential, you know, condensed version down in California. And, and this is an interesting story. So I stayed with people that I didn't know. I was stressed out. I really didn't know that much about NLP. And I just knew that I wanted to learn it. And I used to get migraines at that time in my life and smells triggered them. And somebody was wearing perfume one morning, somebody was wearing perfume and it triggered a migraine. And I don't know if you've ever, listeners have ever had a migraine, you know, they don't go away, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, just by, you know, during the day, they don't go away very quickly. But I walked into class and all my colleagues there in, in the training, they were like, oh boy, somebody to somebody to practice on. So people <laughs> were doing all these the NLP. The training, it man. was so fun. They were doing yeah, so like, oh, many. We got a problem. Clean yes. up. <laughs> they did so many techniques on me that, oh my gosh, my headache. I looked for it all yeah. day. In my mind, I was like, where is that? Where is it? It's no, it can't be gone. But it was gone. And that made me a real true believer in how amazing the mind is and how uh, easy, you know, it is <laughs> to, to shift things and to change your thinking, change your experience, change your feelings, change your behavior. So I was sold. And so yeah. then I came back though. I was didn't feel like I was really equipped to use all these, these things with people. So I repeated the program. 
they had gave an option at that time to repeat the whole program over like a year, six months, something like that. So yeah. I did. And I met a, a group of wonderful women that I'm still in contact with and relearned and anchored even more some of the learnings. But still, you know, anyone that knows NLP knows that it doesn't end with workshop. <laughs> so I have been a lifelong studier and learner and perfecter of some of these techniques. Yeah, which you mentioned something earlier, I want to go back to that part of the goal being, I want to really, you know, grab the crowd's attention, I really want to teach in a way that people actually integrate that knowledge. If you had to kind of break down some of the formulas that you've learned over time to really pull that off, what what do you think needs to be there to actually have that quality experience? Well, it's interesting to me because it wasn't again, again, up until a few years ago that I realized, you know, I was thinking about training, I was thinking about workshops because I've been presenting at these conferences, hypnosis conferences lately, and, and just kind of thinking about my beliefs about my ability to train. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, mm -hmm. you know, tell me my most confident place or, or role, I guess, uh, is teaching a fitness class. You know, yeah. I just give me a half an hour, tell me what you want. And I am going to teach an amazing class just because I've been doing it since 1980. And, and that was a whole journey in itself. I learned how to, you know, capture people's attention and not necessarily by talking to them you know, constantly, you know, like you do in a, in a workshop, but through my gestures, through my expressions, and I'm so comfortable in that. And I thought to myself, why don't I just map across this training, talking with people, of course, I can use these same, the same ability, you know, in my workshops. And so for me, if I were to look at it in terms of standing in front of people and teaching a fitness class, I would say, you know, you first have to, of course, I mean, I, I've got books and books on presenting, lots of books on how to be a good presenter. And I've taken lots of courses on that. But, you know, capturing their attention, you know, letting people know that you really care about them is first off, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll just walk through how I teach class, you know, maybe, cutting the ice by saying something fun or asking them how they're doing, how they're feeling, you know, getting them into inside and then, you know, telling them that, you, you know, what you're going to do. We're going to have an amazing class. You're going to walk away with this. You're going to feel that and imagine how you're going to use that, you know. So for me, it's getting people in, building anticipation of what they're going to get and how it's going to help them and then just give them, you know, an incredible experience so that they can walk away feeling, you know, transformed so they can feel empowered or whatever it is they do or they want to feel. And then for me, it's like, how are you going to use this? You know, yeah. how are you going to use this? I teach a hypnosis weight loss class monthly here and uh, on my evaluation sheets, I always ask people, you know, I'm requesting that you fill this, this evaluation sheet out. And of course, it asks stuff, do you want any more services, blah, 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 how did you do? But there's a question in there that I always point to them and say, you know, even if you don't answer the other questions, answer this one. This question mm -hmm. is, what did you learn and how are you going to use it? Because what that does is it oh, takes nice. it takes the learning that you, 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 your experience, and it puts it into your future. 
So yeah, it's it's creating that experience that's meaningful and that you know captures people's attention, and and it's not so much to point the finger at me, but it's to to give them something that they want to give them an I experience. I mean that highlights a, that highlights something beautiful, even in the concept of the client testimonial. And you know, I kind of had a point in time where I kind of stopped taking them. I stopped requesting them from a slightly greedy way of going, I've got about 150, mm-hmm. 200 of them right now in a binder. That's enough. And I was noticing that I was still getting good results with clients. And yet the funny thing was the referral business started to slip away. And I will call up past clients. I'll shoot out emails on a schedule at times to check in and make sure that, you know, the phrase is always want to see how well you're doing and see what you're up to, Mm -hmm. you know, not with the phrasing of, Hey, is it still working? (laughs) (laughs) But but something was happening that the referral business was down and the -hmm. sort of realization of having to give, having to give a review for a company that I had to make use of when something was up with my car, all of a sudden now I'm realizing, Hey, if I need a body shop, I know where to send people. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing it's because they had me give the testimonial and recognize that, that that story that I told wasn't just benefiting them and their marketing, but it was also benefiting me because it was allowing mm-hmm. me to actually pace that story out and go, here's where I was before, here's how I've done so well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So similar to that, you know, in the in the application of doing that with it's a group weight loss workshop, you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love that question of what are you going to do with this? That's mm-hmm. that's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like thousands of those evaluation forms all over in my office that I need to throw away. But, <laughs> but like you, I've gotten just a million testimonies and, it, and it's not, and it's not yeah. so much. I don't want to point it the finger about me. I, I really, my, my purpose is to have people walk away with something valuable, yeah. something that, that helps them in their life. So you mentioned yeah. weight loss. What tends to be the the focus of what you're seeing mostly these days? Well, what am I seeing mostly? I'm seeing some pretty overweight people lately and people who several different categories actually. There are younger people in their 30s and 40s with young kids where the woman has uh, shifted her focus away from herself and her own self-care and into the family and the kids and not taking care of themselves. And of course, beneath that, I mean, and part of that's just distraction. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got these kids. I've got a, mm-hmm. you know, so much I'm in, in that role. And so nothing else matters, but that I do this role really well. And in the meantime, they let themselves and their own goals and their own health you know, fall by the wayside. And, you know, lo and behold, they've, you know, maybe gained 300, 400 pounds total. And yeah, they're at risk of all kinds of health problems. And so I've seen some people like that lately and doing some good stuff with them. Yeah, I'm sure sure the process is always client-centered and customized mm -hmm, to the individual. mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. when when it's, and I've only seen a few people who fit that kind of category. I mean, a lot of people are coming in where, they've been putting that self-care towards everyone else. Mm-hmm. But now we're talking yeah. about a very clear extreme. Where does, where does that usually begin for you? Well, for me, I always find out, you know, who that person is. For, for me, because I'm, I'm pretty 
Let's see. It's it's hard because I don't know how other people work. So I'm just going to speak from my experience. Nice. <laughs> so for me, I am a, I'm a very kinesthetic person, for example. And I was trained in my social work days to take notes. So I, I interview people and I find out everything about them. I have a pretty extensive intake form where they can check objectives. And, and so then in my first interview with them, I go through those objectives. You know, what do you want to work on? What, what does that look like? If they say habits, I'll say, tell me about that. You know, what is that? How does that look? How does that feel? What's going on with that? And, and so I hear, and I, I hear what's going on and I get to understand who they are. And I say, what do you want to see instead? And so there's a, a place that I note there's there's some work. And so we go through so I can I get a, a holistic picture of who they are because I don't just work on weight. You know, what I tell people and it is that weight is a, just a symptom of something mm. that's not working in your life. I don't actually tell them that it's not working in your life. But, you know, I let people know that I, I think it is. And so where, you know, where some places in your life that need some loving care that are going to impact these habits, you know, that you are struggling to, to adhere to. So I do a lot about who are you and what do you want? And let's build, you know, your self-esteem back. Let's bring back the importance of who you are and it's like that whole feeling of where was I before these kids, before I got distracted with these other things. And many of the people I work with have, you know, they used to work out and eat healthy and they had those goals for themselves and they have an experience of having been successful with that at some point in their life. So I use that prior experience as a, yes. you know, your body already knows how to do this. And, you know, and I also give them the, my lecturette about the conscious and unconscious mind and, and how that unconscious part of you is struggling to keep you alive and it wants you to be healthy already. And, and so we're just going to help it along by giving it, you know, some retraining. We'll get it like on track because sometimes our unconscious mind is it responds to programming the things we say and what we expose ourselves to it's like a train track getting off track and so we're just going to put that train right back on the track and we're going to just build that that those tracks so that train can't get off track again so you know i use a lot of metaphors and you know, and, and then I, you know, I hold people accountable, my coaching stuff. And, you know, I ask them what they want me to hold them accountable for. I ask them for commitments. I have handed out lots of forms before, lots of charts and graphs for people to use, you know, if they want to. So, so that's kind of what I do. And I, you know, there's another population that I see too often. Well, before is, you move to the next population, let's, let's mm -hmm. talk about that accountability factor. So what, what would be some of those things that they would say they want to have you help them stay accountable for? I'm thinking about, specific example well, of the client recently? well, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about something. Here's the thing. Here's the, th here's the thing, Jason. <laughs> here's the thing about my days at, at DSHS now. You know, you might come in to see me. I might spend two solid hours with you. And I know everything about you, your whole history, everything, and what you're struggling with and stuff and where we're going. And I might just do a whole bunch of stuff with you. And I know you, and you walk out, you feel wonderful. And then, you know, the next day or the next day, I might see you in, in, I might see you somewhere and I might not even remember anything about what we did. 
because I'm so in the moment that I don't mm-hmm. hold that stuff. So for me right now to think I had a client last night who, and I asked her the same question, what do you want me to hold you accountable for? And she said, you know, for, for meditating, for walking every day, for making a smoothie every morning, for going to bed at 10, between 10 and 11 each night. And I think there was something else. So these are things that, you know, I'm, I'm a personal trainer too. I'm a trained personal trainer. And, and what a, a metaphor I use for people is, you know, in personal training, we tell you we're the expert. We tell you what to do because we know how to get you to lose weight. You know, do these exercises, do this, do that. But in coaching, you don't. You know, that, that plan needs to come from the person, not me. And, and I just totally respect that so much. You know, now if somebody asks me any suggestions, of course, I'll share that. But my experience is that if that plan comes from them and the, uh, um, they're going to adhere to it more than if it comes from me. And I don't want to be another one of those people like their doctors who says, you know, you, you're going to get diabetes if you don't do this. So do this. So mm-hmm. that's not who I want to be. So let's look at that motivation factor. Let's say the example of I want to walk on a regular basis. That's now been, you know, whatever time has passed and they're back in front of you again and things are going well, mm-hmm. yet that walking is just not there yet. How how do you tend to address that? Well, let's back up before, you know, before on the last visit, I would say, okay, walking, what does that look like? You know, where, when would you do it? You know, what's the best time? And looking at your schedule, looking at your life, where's the best time? that you would add that walk, you know, and how many days, what day, is there a day? Is there a time? All right. Okay. So I want you to imagine that, you know, so they give me the information and I just say, close your eyes, imagine yourself doing that. Or I'll end the session with hypnosis and have them walk through future pace, you know, all the things that they've said they're going to do. So if they come back to me the next time and they haven't walked, I'll say, so I'll say, so what's going on? What happened? And, you know, there's usually an excuse. I've had to, I have to tell you, uh, or we reset. Well, that's not the best time. Okay. When would it? So we just keep refining it so that it works. Yes. Um, and I have to say that, you know, I currently have a, a person that's very, very overweight who now through that process has a, a habit that she can't live without now walking, nice. <laughs> walking up and down big hills. So, but I do have to say that there are some people and, and the only people I've done this with and is weight loss situations where I've said, you know, you said, we, you know, we've been working on this for three, four times and I don't want to keep taking your money and I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I don't know that this is working and maybe, you know, maybe you need to work with somebody else. You know, maybe this is just not working. And, and a lot of times they'll say, no, 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 I want this mm-hmm. to, okay, I'll do this. And so sometimes you have to have the reality check. It's like, okay, you know, I, I want you to be successful and, it doesn't make me feel good. Like I'm doing my job of if you're not achieving your goals. And so I don't want to feel those feelings myself. And I know you don't want to keep paying me money to not be achieving your goals. So maybe we need to take a break or, you know, not do Maybe this is not the thing for you. Which is, you know, not necessarily, I'm sure to be what's called in the business world, the takeaway sale, but it's kind of that mm-hmm. let's make this real moment mm-hmm. of, you know, is this just not the right time to do this? Here's what we've worked on so far. I, I'll share a quick insight that I have a story of working with this woman many years ago, 
that early osteoporosis diagnosis. She's being recommended that she go out and exercise in some way and change her eating behaviors. Well, the calcium supplement, the higher calcium foods, no problem there. And she had kind of talked to the doctor and the situation was, you know, if you swam, you know, double hip replacement, double knee replacement over the years, Mm -hmm. you don't have to get in the pool and swim laps, just, you know, get in the water and wade. And that's going to be enough to kind of build back up some of the muscular strength. And she's now seeing me specifically for the, for the swimming. And it became a bit of a funny process because it's now our third meeting and she hasn't gone swimming yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm realizing that there's one clear part that I missed and I took some blame for it to go, where are you going to go swimming? And she goes, oh, I have no idea where I'd even go swim. I'm like, okay, I forgot something. <laughs> mm-hmm. She had shown up early and long story short, she ended up from my office computer signing up for the local YMCA, printing out her day pass and kind of like your story, she's been now religiously going and swimming mm-hmm. four or five times a week for going on about six years now. Mm-hmm. So That's to, awesome. to, to really ask those questions, when are you going to do that? You well, know, chunk and, down into those specifics. Exactly, exactly. And also, though, here's another part for people that are listening too, and maybe new people in the field is, you know, some of these people, men and women, not just women who, you know, you, they decide on, oh, I can swim. I could do that. I know I could do that. I've had some people over the years who've like not done it. They've not gone for, even though they've found a place and, you know, it's convenient and so on and so forth. And, and through questioning what we, what was discovered was they just feel awful in a bathing suit. They feel very uncomfortable. Don't want other people to see them in a bathing suit. And so we're sometimes work needs to be done around that. Which I love that, you know, you're bringing up how holistic the process becomes that it's not just an eat this, don't eat that. It's really the everything in terms of the identity, the confidence, the aspects around it, the family dynamics. I've seen things you've put out before with the, with the terminology of hypnokinesthetics. Could you, mm-hmm. could you define that and explain what that is? Yes. Well, I'm excited about that because, oh, let's see, how did this come about? Because I, I thought I thought for a while about, you know, you know, I see everybody around me in the field and I just see all these wonderful ideas and these new things that people are coming up with and how fantastic they are and how helpful they are. And, and I looked inward and I thought to myself, you know, what, what is it that I have? What is it that I could contribute? You know, who am I and, and what are my experiences that could translate into something that could be really, really helpful to other people? And, and, I, and I thought long and hard about, you know, okay, well, par- these parallel careers, movement, you know, my passion for movement and mind-body stuff. And so then I started looking at my NLP patterns and I remembered that there was some pattern in NLP where, you know, we moved. And I always loved anything in NLP that involved physical movement. And so I looked up some patterns in that and I put my thinking cap on, put my, you know, my movement cap on. And I started, um, started creating and going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And, and trying things out myself and experimenting. And, and, and then I tried it out in workshops and, and actually I tried it out with my weight loss people, some techniques with my weight loss people, with my clients and with my regular exercise people and just got, you know, wonderful 
feedback. And so, and then a friend of mine um, said, you know, why don't you, you know, write a book on that? <laughs> so I said, okay. And so when I create a presentation, and so I thought, okay, this was last year for HypnoThoughts 2018. I put together a workshop and a, and a technique and a, a philosophy and research, and, and I love that stuff, you know, all the, the research that supports what I'm doing. And, and so I taught the workshop at HypnoThoughts 2018, and oh my gosh, I almost started crying in it because people were moving and they were shifting and changing and just got some wonderful responses. And so I started writing a book. And did a lot of research, you know, things that interest me, things I'm passionate about, the mind and body that support this work. And so hypnokinesthetics is really all about using, in NLP, we typically, and in coaching and counseling and everything, we use physiology in, in cognitive things. So we don't actually use physical movement, except for in like dance therapy and movement therapies, we get people to imagine doing things. And, and what I've created is a system where not only do you find the issue inside your mind, but you let it express itself in a movement or a gesture of some sort. And that leads to, you know, you can string those movements along into anything, you know, into all kinds of NLP processes where you start with a problem and you find where the problem started or you start with a current situation and where the problem started and you can go anywhere you know what do you want instead and how would that feel and express that and so it gets people in their body and what we know to be true is that the body has information that the mind doesn't you know, that may not have made it to the mind yet. And in fact, in some of my research, you know, in, in NLP, second generation NLP, the subconscious mind is the body. And so, you know, the body holds memories of everything that's ever happened to us. We know that. I mean, we, we think about that in hypnosis. We, we say that. But to actually feel that memory you know, of maybe the first day of kindergarten or some traumatic thing or some scary thing or some even wonderful thing to know where that lives in your body and to be able to shift it and transform it physically, not just with your mind, but physically, you know, to change it and to use it in a way to help yourself heal is, is just amazing. Yeah. Is there so, an example of one of those techniques to give us an illustration of that? I'm just got so many techniques <laughs> in my mind right now and com my compartmentalizing ability. Here's an example. In my book, I, I have people go inside and find, you know, find a, find a happy experience. You know, something we're used to in the field, we're used to doing, we're used to, used to having people do. So find that experience, you know, where does that live? And, and, you know, how does it look? How does it feel? You know, what are any sights or sounds or tastes that are associated with it? You know, and, if that that feeling that that happy time experience that memory where it lives there in your body were to express itself in a movement or gesture of some sort and by movement or gesture that couldn't be you know a lifting of the finger it could be you know a frown on your face it could be a lifted eyebrow it could be anything it's not necessarily an exercise class um so if that were to 
manifest in a movement or a gesture of some sort, what would that be? And so then, you know, I have people do that and we repeat it. So the mind knows it. So you, it's in your cells. It's in your body. It's a part of you now. It becomes new cellular memory. And then, you know, you might think about in a, you know, a situation where you want to feel that. And you might just express that feeling, express that movement or gesture. Or, yeah, so kind of drawing out in some way the submodalities by way of movement and then absolutely. kind of organically shifting from there. Yes, you use movement to express it rather than close your eyes and visualize and solve your problem in your mind. It solves your problem in your body and you're in through movement. And it just gets to, it just provides a whole other set of information. You know, what I, I'm thrilled about is that in every workshop, uh, people have been generous in giving me video testimonies. So on YouTube, I have a, quite a few testimonies of experiences from people who participated in the class. So, yeah, it's I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, um, there, there's two beautiful correlations to this. One is, of course, to, to look at the work of Virginia Satir of having someone move to a different position and that began to shift some of the situation, having a couple in a conversation and then having them move to different positions and suddenly the perspectives were different. That And, and for what it's worth over the years, we, we as the practitioners know those moments where, and this is something you refine more over time, that we're in session with somebody and we can tell they're just kind of observing the process rather mm -hmm. than in the process. Absolutely. And and for yeah. years, my strategy has just been to move them. Good, go ahead and stand up, or I'd sit the chair upright, or I'd switch the position, or mm -hmm. in my office, we just move to another room. And almost kind of in the same way, the stage hypnotist would sometimes move people around the different seats in terms of building compliance. Mm -hmm. But to look at that and actually do so as a specific technique mm -hmm. beyond just the pattern interrupt and I can think of clients over the years that here was the massage therapist that I was working with, clearly extremely kinesthetic, that was having test anxiety and an extremely very visual sitting at a computer typing buttons on a screen exam. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we brought out the kinesthetics that it actually had value and in getting into that and be able to you know pull that out and uh, like your story from earlier, to be able to map that across to bring that same skill into another part of life. That's great. Mm -hmm. Well, and here's the thing about hypnokinesthetics. It's not, I'm not telling them how to move. I'm saying, right, let yeah. your body move to express that. And so, okay, if that, that, that problem, you know, that stress, wherever, you know, that stress movement or gesture is, if that were to be gone, how would that be? You know, if, if, if that were gone, how would you feel? And what's a movement that would express that? And so, so it's, it's along the coaching, you know, there's a huge coaching component to it to use these techniques is to, you know, make sure languaging is clean and clear and it's not directive, but to help people discover that information within themselves. And here's my plan for the book. I've written it for practitioners, for counselors, therapists, for teachers, for coaches, and uh, anyone really who works with people because i've i've worked with kids in in head start and throughout my career i've worked with little kids a lot um i've worked in the sporting world a lot i've worked in the fitness field i've worked in hypnosis and coaching and counseling and 
And I currently have clients who are in the medical profession and they, for example, I have one person who she is, she's a last ditch effort for these people who are got diabetes and she has to get them to change. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's a PhD nurse. Right. And so without any coaching background, you know, she could flip open one of my, one of my techniques and say, okay, close your eyes. And imagine this now stand up and let that express itself. You know, she, so that's my purpose. So, so the plan is to market this, to make this a manual that people, a lot of people can use in, in lots of different ways. Awesome. So how can people find out more? Well, my book's out. <laughs> we are making use of uh, time travel as we're recording we're, we're late June and coming we're, out in August. So in the future, go ahead and future yes, pace yourself. Yes, and, uh, I'm future <laughs> Well, my book is uh, is on Amazon and I'm a co-author in a couple other books. I have some eBooks there as well. So they can find it. The title of it is Healing with Hypnokinesthetics, Extraordinary Mind-Body Techniques for Transformation. And that's by me, Patricia Eslava Vesi. My website is integritycoachingandtraining.com. Nice. And there's lots of information there. So. Yeah. And we'll link everything over in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com over to the book and the various websites and upcoming uh, presentations as well. Before we wrap it up, any final words, any recommendations for the audience out there? You know, keep learning. That's what I would say. You know, if you're a new practitioner, you know, absorb it all. Learn and learn and learn until you get to that point, and you will get to that point where it's like, okay, I know, I feel like I know enough right now that I don't need to. I don't have that need to go sign up for this or that, but I can now be a contributor and develop my own thing. So continue to learn and saturate yourself with all the wonderful practitioners that are available, the wonderful trainings, and learn and go help lots of people. <laughs> Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for leaving your reviews online. I actually checked back over at the iTunes listing and saw a couple of dozen more reviews since the last time I was there. Thank you. So keep up that support, share this on your social media streams, and pay it forward to my fantastic guests as well. Head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com and pick up a copy of Patricia's new book. Say hello to her at some of the various upcoming conventions. And also, once again, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Learn ways to maximize your hypnosis business to provide an even greater value, receive even greater value back, and at the same time, truly optimize the work that you're doing. Check out this brand new module, the Velvet Rope Strategy. It's a strategy you can put into use right away. Very easy. You actually see me set it up in real time. It's that easy. And I'm telling you, this thing has increased my income as a practitioner and streamlined the shape of my business. Get the entire action plan at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. See you on the inside. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.